If you can, go with me to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. I believe that the Lord is going to set the, the people of the Rio Grande free from shame today. That there's going to be anointing that's going to destroy that, that, that yoke of shame off of your life. That you will never struggle from shame. But it's not just going to be here in this church, but it's going to be all over. Wherever this word is being heard, that shame is going to come off them. It's going to, I'm talking to you watching at home right now. It's coming off you in Jesus' name. I, I, I get a little bold because I've been listening to Shambach preach this past week on JesusPod.com. And Shambach, some of you don't know Shambach. Shambach has already been with the Lord, but he's a powerful preacher. But in the middle of his preaching, he'll say, don't change that channel. Don't change that channel. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's about as much Shambach I got right now. <laughs> Second Samuel chapter 9. We have it, say amen. Verse 1, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am. Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Zebra replied, yes, one, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked, in Lodabar. Zeba told him, at the home of Makur, son of Amal. So David sent for him and brought him from Makur's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of, of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the proper, property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant? That you should, so, should, so, should show such kindness to a dead dog like me. Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and, your sons and servants are to farm the land for him, to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. And from th that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at, the king, at, at David's table like one of the king's own son. Mephibosheth had a son, a young son named Micah, Micah from then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants, and Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Amen. I, I, as a pastor, you know, I've been pastoring 14 years. I'm, I'm almost at the point where I forget how many years I'm, I'm, I'm pastoring. You know, after 10, you know, I have no more fingers, so. Um, but there are a lot of people that they would come, they would grow, 
And God would just radically change their life. Like they would be so blessed. They, 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 were, they, were, they were on the verge of death when they came. And, and they, they were restored back to life. And they were so excited about what God was doing in their life. But because of something that was in them, working in their life, because of some sort of bondage that they had, they ended up yielding to those temptations and shame came upon them. Next thing you know, I don't see them at church or they'll visit here and there, but they, don't, they can't stand still and they leave. And, and I don't see them really pressing into the things of God when, when, they, when they first came, just like when they first came, they actually keep away from God's presence because of the shame of the, of the things that they've done. And so instead of receiving from the, from the Lord freely with peace and with love, with the, with, out of the desire of the, of the Father to bless them, instead of receiving, they, they still see their, their, their faults and their, their mistakes, and, and it keeps them from the presence of God. You know, one of the things that happened when Jesus died was the veil was ripped in two. So that the place where God dwelt was no longer behind a veil, a curtain. But now God says, I'm going to make you my, my dwelling place. Your body is my temple. It's a temple of the Holy Ghost. God is not trying to, to keep you away from him. He's trying to remove everything off of your life that keeps you away from him. He stands there with open arms saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. But because of things that we have done, it's like in a mirror. We see ourselves in the mirror, and nobody ever looks at themselves in the mirror to find something right with them. They always look in the mirror to find something wrong. You know, I need makeup here. I need a little more hair here. And we always provide coverings for the things that, the imperfections of our life. We're shame. But see, God doesn't want you to live in shame when Jesus has paid the price for all your shame, all your guilt, things that you have done and things that others have done to you. All of that was paid for at, at the cross of Calvary. Jesus paid the price for every guilt, every shame. So shame should not be on you. Shame should be off of you. It doesn't belong to you. Here, the son of Saul, Mephibosheth, when they were running away from the armies, he was a baby and the maid fell and because she was carrying him, his legs became crippled. And so here he was crippled, but he was still a son. And the word of God says that David, the king, called him to the table. And so they had to carry him and take him to the table. And here he is sitting at the, at the king's table but even though he was sitting at the king's table, called by the king, brought to the table by the king, by the servants of the king, he still saw himself as a dog. He still saw himself that I'm not worthy to sit at this table. He saw the mistakes of his family. He saw the crippleness of his body. And he had all these reasons, all these excuses to keep himself outside of the blessing of the king. He says, I'm just a dog. Who am I? But David, 
remembered his father. And the covenant, here's the thing. Saul saw the anointing on David to be a king, and he tried to destroy David. And Saul made David his enemy. Even though Saul made David his enemy, David never made Saul his enemy. Even though Mephibosheth says, don't you know who my, my grandfather was? He was, you were his enemy. But David was, David, David would not look at Saul's enemy. David looked at, this is God's anointed. Some of you are looking at your sin or the thing that has put shame upon your, your life and say, don't you know the things I've done? Don't you know that, that the things that I'm ashamed of, the things I've done to others, the things that, that, are, that I'm not proud about? But God is telling you that you are not his enemy. Those things are his enemy, but you are not his enemy. You are his son, bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 53, verse 4, it says, Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrow that, he weighed, that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Jesus took all your guilt, all your shame, all the things that, that you are not proud of, those things that, that try to torment you, those remembrance of the past, he took it all to the cross. His body was broken for those things. He carried all those cross. The Bible says he took captivity captive. Everybody say captivity captive. If you have shame, guilt, fear, resentment, Jesus went to every one of those things and took it captive and dragged it to the cross. These are the things that hold man captive. Jesus took the things that hold man captive and he dragged it to the cross. That when he died 2,000 years ago, those things died as well. Guilt, shame, your sins, all those things died 2,000 years ago and were buried in the grave. But then three days later, Jesus rose up. But those things of guilt, sin, shame, they're still dead in the grave. They no longer have any power over you in the name of Jesus. Jesus came to set the captives free. Amen. And so if Jesus paid the price for your guilt, for your shame, for the things that you are not proud of. If he paid the price, why are you trying to pay the price again? Why, why would man act as if Jesus did not pay the price? We live in fear. We live in anguish. We think, oh, maybe God is not proud of me. God is not, I can't go to church. I can't spend time in the fellowship of the saints. I can't worship God. I can't do that stuff because this thing has been attacking my life. This shame is upon my life. But the Bible says the anointing, the anointing of the Holy Ghost destroys every yoke, destroys it. it will, the anointing of the Holy Ghost is the one that destroys it off your life. 
Jesus came to set the captives free. He wants to break every chain off of your life. Where there's no excuse not to be able to sit at the king's table and then just enjoy the king. Hallelujah. Say shame off me. Not shame on you. Shame off you. Shame off you. It's the anointing that sets the captives free. Amen. Some people say, well, when, when I make myself better, then I'll come to church. You can't make yourself better. You'll never do that. It's impossible. Because the, the thing that, that caused the, the sin and the stain and the guilt and the, and the fear it was, was living inside of you. But when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the anointing, the Holy Ghost comes and takes out the stony heart and gives you a heart of flesh. He destroys the, the old man of sin and death and gives you a new heart and a new spirit, the Holy Spirit. The spirit of righteousness comes upon your life and he changes you from the inside out. You could not do that for yourself, but Jesus did that for you in 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. It's amazing to be able to sit at the table and look at the one who should be offended. And the one that should have been offended said, those things you did, I already paid for it. I'm not offended. It's the reason why I died. All your guilt, all your shame, off of you. But pastor, you don't know the stuff that I did. Yeah, but you don't know what Jesus did. But pastor, you don't know how, how, you don't know the things, the hurt I put upon others. Yes, but you don't see the sacrifice that Jesus made at the cross and how much it hurt him. But the Bible said for the joy that set before him, he endured the cross. Amen. He already paid the price for you so that you don't have to live in guilt and in shame, but you can be free and live a life of freedom in Jesus' name and liberty. Say shame off me. Hallelujah. In Isaiah, actually go with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. Where does it start? In 1 John chapter 1. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It all starts with confession. It all starts with going before God and confessing your sins. Someone said, Pastor, can I talk to you so I can confess my sins? I don't want to know your sins. I don't want to know your shame. I don't, know what, I, I don't want to know. You don't have to tell me. If you want to tell me, you can tell me, but, and it's not going to change the way I, I love you. I love you. And trust me, there ain't anything you could tell me that, that, that will shock me. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. I have. You'll, you'll, you know, Hollywood should talk to pastors about writing movie scripts because we got some stories, I'm telling you. But I love you because Jesus put love inside of me for you. And it's not because of what you've done or have not done. I love you. I love you because I love you because I love you. Amen. And you might say, well, Pastor, you don't know me. Yeah, but I love you. <laughs> How can you love me without knowing me? Because I love you before I knew you. Amen. Just like Jesus loved you before he knew you. God loved you before you knew him. Amen. 
I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't work where you have to earn my love. I love you. And that settles it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I love that, 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 that statement, I love you. Tell your neighbor, I love you. I stand in pulpits all over the world. The very first thing I said in Africa when I was standing in front of 15,000 people in the slums of Mombasa, I got on the pulpit and I went to the mic and I looked at the crowd and I said, I love you. Just that love, it covers, it heals, it lets the world know that you're not there against them. Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. I know, Pastor, that's a little freaky, telling people you love them. I say I love you all the time, because I love you. I'm sorry. You message me, I'll, I'll be like, praise God, God bless you, love you. Because I've been loved. And because I've been loved, I can love. You know, a lot of times when, when we enter into relationships or we meet new people, we're thinking, what, what's in it for them? We're thinking, what are they going to do to me to hurt me or to take from me or to steal from me or to use me? And we walk away, we walk with this guard over us instead of allowing people to come in so that they could bless us and we could bless them. We keep people back. We keep relationships away. You know, we talk to more people through our thumbs than anyone in the world. But we have the, le the least interaction with our very family. And it's because of guilt. It's because of shame. There are people that can't get into a relationship because of guilt and shame. There are fathers that are afraid to step up and be fathers because they're, they have guilt and shame because they, they, they weren't good fathers in the past. There are sons that are afraid to move forward and, and become a father or a husband because of the guilt and the shame and the regret of the father that they did not have. And so we look at ourselves and we have all this guilt and this shame and we, we keep ourselves from experiencing the best that God wants to bless us with. We don't want to raise a family and get married because we have guilt and shame because of the past mistakes. We keep ourselves from living the abundant life or preaching the gospel because of the guilt and the shame. But Jesus said, just come. The Bible says, 1 John one nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to hold you accountable, to keep you under shame, to punish you. No. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All I have to do is go to him. 
The scripture says, repent. So that times of refreshing from the Holy Ghost will come. Maybe one of the reasons why you're so bitter and angry and you're, you're, even your lips are changing. Your, your lips are like... Mm. Maybe the, some, that's the reason why so many people take pictures like... Because of bitterness. Have you noticed that, Brother Renee? Everybody's taking pictures of... Like they've been sucking lemons all day. I don't understand it. But the Bible says that, that we could just go before the Lord and confess our sins. Amen. But pastor, I did it yesterday. Yeah, and what's your problem? <laughs> pastor, it happened before church. You hear? Yes. What's your problem? Pastor, I might do it tomorrow. I might do it the next day. I'm scared. You're scared of living righteous. Amen. You know, I've learned something about God. Some people say, if I come before God, does that mean I have to stop doing this? I have to stop doing that? Let me say it better, in, in a better way. If you come to God, you get to live without that. Amen. You get to have a real joy that doesn't come at the end of a pipe or come from a bad relationship. You get to have a joy whether you're going through good times or bad times. You get to have a joy. A joy unspeakable and full of glory. You get to live without depression. If you want to live without depression, come to Jesus. Amen. You get to live without worry and stress of where your meal is going to come from because the Bible says that, that he, he, will, he will clothe you, that, that he will take care of you. Amen. Amen. The Bible says all those things will be added to you. You get to live with purpose and destiny. You get to live knowing that God is, is, is using you and is leading you and directing you. And you wake up every day so excited, ready to see what God's going to do. I've, I've learned that if you just walk in the light, it's hard to walk in darkness. Amen. I mean, you can't be in darkness if the sun is shining on you. Amen. You literally have to walk away from the light to get into the darkness. And the things that you might think that are, you have guilt and shame about today, God will give you victory. Even my father would testify that when he came to the Lord, he would, he, he, he still had a problem with smoking, and he was teaching Sunday school, and he called all the kids that wanted to give their life to Jesus, they came to the altar, and he was having a nicotine attack, and he said, all right, guys, stay right here, and pray, and he went outside, lit up a cigarette, and started smoking it, came back in, and led him to Christ. Just because there's an issue in your life today, it does not disqualify the work that the Lord is getting ready to do in your life. The things that might overtake you today, God will give you the victory in Jesus' mighty name. He will give you the victory. He'll give you power over it. 
And it's his blood that washes your sins away. It's his works that removes the bondage. It's his work that he clothes you. He clothes you with garments of righteousness. You know, God, God really wants you to know the extent of his love. He's not at war with you. But the Bible says that, that Jesus went around destroying the works of the devil. If you just allow God to move in your life, he will destroy the work of the devil. Every sin, every shame, every, every bondage, it goes in the name of Jesus. You know, I, I like the way Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 says. It says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Basically, the Lord is saying, hey, let's talk about this thing. Because a lot of times we're saying, but, but, but God, you don't understand. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know the desires that are in me that I know that are not of you. But God doesn't say, I, I reject you, I don't like you, I don't want you. He looks at every one of us and he says, come, let's talk about it. Let's reason together. Though your sins might be like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. In other words, yeah, you might have that issue right now, but that's not your eternity, and that's not going to be in your life much longer. I'm getting ready to rise up. I'm getting ready to show you my deliverance power, and I'm going to remove it off your life, that all that you will, you will carry a righteousness upon your life that I put upon you. Amen. Hallelujah. And we hold ourselves back. We say, oh, God, I'm I was like that. When, when, when my father wanted me to preach, I was saying, no, I can't preach. I'm not, I'm not holy enough. Let me tell you, you're never going to be holy enough. Amen. You're never going to be holy enough. But Jesus makes you holy enough. When Mephibosheth was sitting at the table, knowing who he was and what his father had done, and his rightful place should have been death. But yet the one that was offended said, from this time forward, you're going to sit at my table. I'm going to restore everything that was taken from your family. I'm going to restore you back into honor and integrity. From this day forth, you are going to sit at my table like you are my son. When the one who should have been offended is saying, I'm not offended. Matter of fact, I cover it all as if it did not even happen. Amen. That's what happens with our relationship with God. When we come before the Lord and say, Father, forgive me. Give me strength. Change my life. Destroy this thing off of my life. The Bible says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. 